Every now and then, during this great and terrible pause, Code Street is checking in with readers and book lovers from around the world to talk about what they're reading, what they think you might want to read, and what they're going on what they have going on in their lives. Today, I am joined by the fabulous Nebula Award-winning Brooke Bolander, who joins me from somewhere in the wilds of America. Hi, Brooke. How are you? Oh, well, you know, that's a loaded question these days, but um, I'm, I'm all right. Hang in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. We're, we're, we're well into the, all, all this madness at the moment, it feels. Are, are, do you find that you're able to... To, to function? How, how, how are you dealing with it all? Um, function, function. Um, <laughs> well, I get up and, you know, I, I eat food and I, I might write some words, but, um, and I, I'm not huddled in a ball under my bed. Um, I did that from March to April and I've got that on my system. Um, so, you know, I'm functioning as well as any of us can function right now, I guess. Um, as in New York, and I mean, we've we've already been through the worst of of this great and terrible everything. Um, so, just kind of hanging in there. Still can't go outside. Still can't see anybody. You know. But so, um, do you find that you're able to like get any actual work done? I mean, I've, t- I've spoken to quite a few people, and they really have struggled at times. It's been really hard this year. Um, I've, I've been, you know, trying to get some words out, but it just, I don't know, my brain is mush. Um, and it's kind of comforting, you know, that everyone else's brains are mush too, but it still kind of weighs on you, you know? Of course, um, of course there's always somebody out there who's going to sort of say, oh, and I wrote five uh, volumes of my series and this, 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 and, you know, also knocked out King Henry IV just to annoy you, right? And they're all over Twitter. They're all over my... I love them. I love you guys. You're great. Um... I love my productive friends, but um, I still feel like shit because I'm not really getting anything done. Um, I'm really hoping maybe next year will be better. Um, but, you know, who knows? I don't know if three months from now will be better or worse, you know? It might be much worse. Who knows? Yeah. Well, well let me ask you. You're, or have been locked in. I don't know how much you're, you're sort of out and about oh, yeah. now, but... Uh, are you able to make time to read? Are you, are you getting much reading done? Um, it's also been surprisingly hard to focus on just sitting down and looking somewhere that is not the middle distance. Um, I've been reading a lot of nonfiction, yeah. um, which seems to be easier to kind of get into than, than focusing on, on plots and whatnot for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well, let me ask you then, what have you been reading? And critically, is it any good? I'm glad you asked. I have been. I've been reading, like I said, a lot of nonfiction. Um, I've got a big stack over here of what I've been reading, actually. Um, been reading my comfort read, which is Sebastian Younger's A Perfect Storm, or The Perfect Storm, um, which is about a, I mean, they made a movie out of it. It's pretty famous, um, about the Andrea Gale, which was a sword fishing boat that just vanished in the middle of a hurricane. It's like one of the worst storms of the century or something. Um, and they, just, they, they never found them. Never found the ship. Um, and just presumably they all went down with it. Um, that's my comfort read. I was going to say, well, that doesn't sound very worse, comforting. Way worse situations than I am. It's like, you know, it could be worse. I could be in a boat in the North Atlantic um, <laughs> drowning terribly. Um, it's a phenomenal read, though. It's it's one of the classics of nonfiction kind yeah, of. Yeah. Um, 
it's uh, the movie was not that great, but um, <laughs> I suggest you read the book just because it is compulsively written. There's a chapter about drowning. Um, <laughs> will stick with you. And like I said, I don't know. It's like reading about. I got done with that one, and then I moved on to rereading um, in the heart of the sea. And I cannot remember who wrote that one, but it's about the whale ship Essex, um, which uh, got rammed by a whale in 1820, I want to say. Um, and the whale took the boat down. Um, he had enough, I guess. Um, it was the inspiration for Mo uh, Moby Dick, actually. But after that, they had to, they were like in the, the desolate zone, I think is what they call it, in, in the South Pacific, which um, is nothing really grows there. There aren't many fish. Um, about as far from land as you can get. Um, they could have pretty easily gotten to what is now Tahiti, but decided that they didn't want to do that because they were afraid of cannibals, um, which was stupid because they would have been fine if they had done that. So they tried to get to South America and um, took them three months, I want to say, and they were cannibalizing each other by the end of it. Um, wow. Yeah, it's a it's an intense read. I cannot. I wish I could remember the uh, the author right now. I'll look it up. It's it's another flat, classic, yeah. you know. Um, so I, yeah, I seem to be reading a lot of nonfiction about people in way worse situations. Because again, you know, it could be worse. I could be in the South Pacific, um, having to eat my friends. So, <laughs> I mean, draw lots and guess who's going to be next, you know? Absolutely. Um, and slightly less. Grim, but um, still not really happy is Mark Reisner's Cadillac Desert, which is about um, water in the American West and water projects, and basically how utterly stupid it was to build big cities in the American West because they cannot sustain. And it was written in 1992, I want to say, and things have only gotten worse since then. Um, so that's all. It's deeply interesting stuff. Not not really cheerful. And Reisner, um, unlike a lot of uh, historical nonfiction authors, just you know, when you're in you're in university and stuff, they teach you to kind of when you're writing an essay or something, you distance like you you put the distance between you and the subject, right? You you have the you know the, the kind of journalistic you know thing where it's like I I have no dog in this hunt. No, Mark Reisner's pissed off about it. He's like, let me tell you about this. Motherfucker Mulholland, you know. He's just like, you know, <laughs> let me tell you about this asshole. You want to hear about like, you know, Theodore Roosevelt when he did it? You know, he's just like really angry about it, um, which is kind of refreshing, actually. Um, so yeah, that's. I mean, I've been doing a lot of nonfiction, and then the other day, I got sent Ashley Bloom's Every Bone of Prayer, okay, um, which is just a novel, um, and. Like I said, I've been having a lot of trouble reading fiction during this entire thing because what I want to do is stare off into the distance and, like, not think about anything other than, you know, just kind of processing facts. Um, but this book is so good and so beautifully written um, that it pulled me in pretty much immediately, which is also refreshing because that hasn't happened in a while. Um, and it is about a little 10-year-old girl and the Appalachian Mountains who can can speak with her mind to basically anything. So she can speak to the creek, she can speak to the crawdads in the creek. Um, and it's about a lot more than that. It's kind of about processing trauma and it's all this, like, it's, it's, I wouldn't call it a cheerful, I, I don't do cheerful reads apparently this year, um, <laughs> but it is stunningly beautifully written. I think the first two chapters just been up on tour.com like okay, yeah. yesterday. 
Okay. Um, so it's, you know, like you can go out there and find that right now. Um, and I, I mean, everything I've read of Ashley Blooms, I've loved. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we went to Sycamore Hill together a couple of years back and her short story blew me away. Um, so I kind of expected this to be great, but yeah, it's, it just really just like, if you like beautiful prose, it is just a treat. Um, all the trigger warnings, it's, it's pretty, pretty dark and gets into some pretty, pretty grim stuff, but, um, yeah. great book. Okay. I, I think it comes, comes out August 4th, I want to say. Excellent. Um, let me ask you, do you feel like this is a time for, for comfort reads, for challenging reads? I mean, it, it sounds like your, your own reading is sort of a odd crossover of both. Um, I mean, I don't find any of them really challenging just because I love like historical nonfiction. Like that's like my jam. Yeah. Um, if I'm not reading fiction, I like, I, um, the other thing next to my bed right now is, uh, uh Robert Caro's The Power Broker, which is about Robert Moses. Mm-hmm. Um, who was city commissioner of New York for years and basically shaped the city in his, into his own image. And he was a terrible human being. He was so awful. Um, anybody who knows Robert Moses will tell you, you know, you say the name in New York and revulsion goes across their faces. Um, yeah. He was bad. He was a very bad man. Um, so I, I, I read that in chunks, and that's kind of challenging just because um, – I get so mad reading about Robert Moses that I have to put the book down and like not come back to it for like, you know, like a month because he was just so terrible. Yeah. Um, and it's also a very big book. It's like a thousand plus pages. Um, but no, I, I, I don't know. My, my brain just kind of slips into nonfiction. Like, like I'm putting on a sock or something. It's quite easy. What seems to be more challenging is reading fiction right now. Yeah. Um, well, I want to ask, I mean, the only harmless great thing came out in book form from Tor two years ago, I guess it must be, and yeah. was embraced, I have to say, by the world. I mean, everybody, everybody fell in love with it. It was up for the Hugo, it won the Nebula, it was up for the World Fantasy, the British Fantasy, the Shirley Jackson, the Sturgeon, which is all yeah. pretty pretty damn cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Can I ask, do, do you have anything else out in the world, anything else likely to come out in the world at the moment? Or is it a, a time to wait and see? Well, I do have a story out in the Book of Dragons, which <laughs> just came out. Some some dude or other edited that. Um, um, what else have I got? What's come out recently? My brain is mush. Um, what came out before that? I had a story in Made to Order as well, um, which... Yeah. Um, I think those are the last two things that came out. I don't know. I'm working on some longer form stuff, but longer form seems to be a little, I don't know. It's a completely different muscle from short fiction. It's so yeah. different that kind of figuring it out takes a while. It's like, it's like working out at the gym or something, right? You're working a different muscle group. Um, so I'm kind of doing my bench presses right now as far as longer form stuff goes. And, you know, hoping everyone doesn't forget about me before I actually manage to learn how to do that. Well, actually, um, I, I, should, I should ask you, I mean, it's a little bit of side business, but have you actually got your physical copies of the Book of Dragons yet? I did. Can I, I say, did. it is the goofiest book for me. Really? I only got my copies like day before yesterday, and I took the oh. dust jacket off, and they embossed my initials on the thing, which is weird. <laughs> wow, I, mean, it's I cool. didn't get that. <laughs> I was like... I looked off. This must be like the printery or something. But so you got what uh, where the river turns to concrete in there. Yeah. 
since yeah. I guess it's the brand newestest thing you have out and allowing the yeah. appalling conflict of interest that I'm the editor. So let me ask you quickly, since people are listening, what's the story about and where did it come from? Um, it is a story about a man who wakes up and uh, doesn't know where he's from, um, joins up with a bad crowd, uh, learns some things about himself along the way, meets a lady. It's kind of like a mashup of, um, I've, I've been describing it as a mashup of like uh, Nicholas Winding Refn's Drive, which had Ryan Gosling in it, came out in like 2000, 2011, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, just this beautiful neo-noir it's one of my favorites it's kind of like mashing that up with Spirited Away which was one of Miyazaki's you know classics um, so it kind of feels like that you know it's got that classic uh, western pattern of loner comes into town meets the widow kind of you know that kind of thing yeah uh, I had a lot of fun writing that one though well, it was fun yeah Oh, look, I love the story. Uh, I'm actually curious, looking at, at your nonfiction reading, are, are we going to find in your immediate future either longer or short fiction about people lost in storms eating each other? Is that like where, um, where, where you're going? I mean, I do get ideas. I mean, that's how I got the idea for the Elon Homer's great thing was reading a lot of nonfiction. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I, I kind of got the idea for that back in like, I want to say... 2013 or something and mm-hmm. kind of put it away because I had I had a couple of parts of it and had to kind of put them in let them kind of percolate for a while um, and then read an article online about what was called the Raycap project yeah um, which was uh, you know about nuclear semiotics which are you know the you know trying to warn people in the future of stay away from this nuclear waste and like how are we supposed to do that if people don't speak any of the languages they speak now. Like, how do we know in 10,000 years we're going to communicate the way we do now? Um, so there's one scientist, and his idea was that they would genetically engineer cats to change color. Yeah. Um, and when they got near nuclear waste or these sites, and that people would eventually learn that these color-changing cats meant danger. Um, I have no idea where he got this idea or, like, you know, like, what made him think that this was the going to be the easiest way to, like, communicate this. But um, just reading about that, that was the final piece kind of um, for Only Heartless because it was like, that that's wild. I got to use that in something. And it all kind of slotted together finally, which, I don't know, ideas kind of do that sometimes. You let them sit around for long enough and they'll eventually join up with some other idea you've had or something else you come across in a book. Yeah. You know, a very interesting tidbit. Um, you go, ah, at last. The reason I'm reading Cadillac Desert actually right now is because I've had an idea for a story kind of set out west um, dealing with the water rights stuff. Because, okay. you know, the whole history of, history of Los Angeles and the water rights there is, like, nuts. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole, you know, what behind Chinatown and a bunch of other stuff. Fred Mars Rabbit as well, um, basically. Um, so I'm, I'm reading that for a purpose, at least, because I want to learn more about that before I tackle that idea. Yeah. Well, that sounds great. Well, where the river t- turns to concrete, people can read it in the Book of Dragons. Uh, people can also, if they've managed to somehow miss it, find the only harmless great thing in every good bookstore out there. Uh, but for the moment, Brooke Bolander, thank you so much for making time to talk to me. I genuinely appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Stay safe. You too. Hey, everybody. 
We try to avoid rampant commercialism here on Cood Street, but I'm in the middle of doing something special. Right now I've got a new book out, The Book of Dragons. I'm proud of it. I love it. And I'm delighted to say that for US listeners, we are giving away 10 copies in conjunction with Harper Voyager. If you would like to be in the sweepstakes to win your own copy of The Book of Dragons, hardcover, wonderful illustrations by Ravina Kai, and some great stories, including by Brooke Bolander, Daniel Abraham, and others, please go to the show notes, sign up, and you could get your own free copy. And thank you for your support. Thank you for supporting the book and for supporting the podcast.